The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist, and I'm on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and help us all find food truth. And joining us today is Dawn Bridget. Dawn is in charge of marketing and education at Sustainable Table. And I met Dawn when she was on a road trip through the Midwest. We had a wonderful brunch in the backyard. And I've since learned a lot about a wonderful web-based organization called Sustainable Table. And I wanted to help more listeners know all about the work that you do. So welcome, Dawn. Great. Thank you so much, Melinda. Well, I am, I'm dying to ask you one question. Okay. <laughs> and that is, what does sustainable mean? Mm, that is such a good question. And I think uh, as we're um, moving ahead these days, it seems like everybody has a different response to these questions, just like with organic and local. What exactly does it mean? To us, sustainability is really, um, well, like it says, sustainable. It's about keeping things sustainable that farmers are taking into consideration many different aspects. So they're not damaging the environment. It's humane for workers and for animals. They're providing fair wages to their workers, and they're also getting a fair wage. You know, they're supporting their community, and it's not necessarily going to be organic, but they're taking um, organic principles into their practices. Well, the reason why I ask you this, and I I shared this story with you a a few days ago, I was in Washington, D.C. at a farmer's market, and there were right there in front of me a beautiful table of peaches that were uh, making my mouth water, (laughs) as the first first, uh, season peaches often do, and I asked the farmer if they were organic, and he said, no, ma'am, we farm sustainably. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, well, that's interesting. Okay, so I then my next question was, well, how many pesticides and which pesticides do you apply? Right. Uh, then he referred me to his older partner, and he said, lady, you got 30 minutes. And I said, <laughs> I've got as long as, as you'd like to take. <laughs> and he, he listed four pesticides and a fungicide. And I thought, you know, this is really interesting because... His definition of sustainable, then, would not be my definition, and I suspect probably not yours either. Right. And then also in the airport, um, I've been noticing that Monsanto has had these large posters promoting the fact that they think their uh, their work is also under that sustainability right. umbrella. I've heard that often lately about Monsanto. Yeah, and they do not, for sure, fall into the same category um, as our sustainable definition. You know, and this is where I guess it really comes in handy to know questions to ask your farmers so that you can at least make decisions based on the information that they give you. I agree, and I I think that that is really the key to understanding. You know, we all have an idea about what sustainability is for us. Mm -hmm. And then um, at your website, sustainabletable.org, you have developed a marvelous list of questions to ask questions for a store manager, a meat manager, or a butcher. You've got questions to ask a farmer. Let's go through some of those. Where, where would you like to start? You know, questions. We have questions for a farmer. Um, we go into different ones. So eggs, dairy. How about eggs? 
Great. <laughs> yes. Um, we're actually adding a new one, too, which is questions for a farmer regarding vegetables. So that'll be up very soon, which I think is a very important one to take to the farmer's market with you. They are all important. They're, yeah. they're wonderful. So, okay, I'm at the farmer's market. I've okay. got a variety of farmers who are selling eggs. Okay. Um, what do I need to know? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, the number one question is just going to be, how are your chickens raised? Are they on a pasture? Are they indoors? Are they confined? Are they caged? You know, I think that often people assume because somebody's at a farmer's market that they're selling just in this idyllic <laughs> farm, you know, that they've grown things um, where the... Everything is just running around the farm. So, right. You know, <laughs> right. make sure that you ask so that you know how this is handled is um, the best way to go. And then are you concerned at all about what the chickens might be eating? Yes, absolutely. Um, what are, I don't know, what they're fed. You know, chickens usually eat grasses and greens. They eat grains. They eat insects. But often if they're, you know, from a farm, from a factory farm, they could be fed anything manure, animal parts, then there's also the question of whether or not they're um, fed additional supplements, and some of those might be okay, but others are definitely not. So what kind of supplements would I want versus which ones would I want to avoid? Right. I think, well, one of the things, I just think that if you're talking to a sustainable farmer, they're going to be more willing to talk to you about all of this information. Right. <laughs> so um, a supplement that seems like it would be okay is often during wintertime, um, they need a little nutritional boost, and that might come from flax seeds. So that's something that we've all heard of. It's not any kind of chemical. And again, like I said, I think if a sustainable farmer is adding a supplement, they'd be willing to talk to you about what that is. What about antibiotics? Is that a question we should ask about? Yeah, antibiotics is a big one. Um, you know, in, in a factory farm, often animals are fed antibiotics on like a steady feed so they get them all the time, which is just is not good for them. It's not good for us either. Sometimes farmers will use them if an animal gets sick. Mm -hmm. And again, I think this is something that you know we each individually have to make a decision about. And if you're talking to a farmer who's going to talk to you about this, they can tell you why it is that they fed antibiotics to their animals and um, you know whether they did or whether they didn't. One of the questions you have here on the website says was the hen force molted. Mm. What does that mean? This is a tricky one. <laughs> I feel like this is something that I don't really understand, but it is part of the natural process that a chicken goes through. So um, I think it just happens every year. It's a natural process. It does, you know, they do it when it's their time, and it replaces their feathers. It's kind of a downtime for the chicken. But in factory farming, often they'll force that on an animal, and that's not good for them. I see. So I think it's, I'm, I actually was just reading up on this because it's something that I don't totally understand. But it sounds like what they do is actually keep the food from the animal, which mm. forces their body into this molting process. That's very interesting. I, I never would have thought to ask that question. And, and like you mentioned, you know, I think that we all go to the farmer's market and we, we do have an idyllic ver vision. <laughs> I think, uh, and, with, and with the vegetables, we can get into that a little bit more with regard to, you know, uh, many people think that the foods available at a farmer's market um, are not sprayed with any chemicals, right, but right. really we, we do have to ask what pesticides are used, if any. Mm -hmm. I guess this might be a good time to bring up, you know, the question, um, 
are are you organic or not? And uh, I know many of the farmers at our local market, if they're certified organic, they have a certificate, mm-hmm. which makes it very easy for the consumer. Right. There are no questions needed really to be asked um, unless you want to know specifics about what does that mean. That's correct. You know, and it's the same thing here at our farmer's markets. Um, I find that obviously some that are certified organic, they have big signs out, you know that they're certified, but that doesn't mean that we should discount the other farmers. You know, many of them have chosen for one reason or another not to become certified organic, or maybe they're in the process of becoming organic. Right, right. So you don't want to, like, dismiss the produce, but you need to be able to ask questions. Right. Well, what I like about the organic certification is that it gives me an assurance that I know this farmer is keeping careful records. I know that there won't be any pesticides applied that would not be approved by the um, organic standards. Right. Um, with regard to the eggs, you know, getting back to that question, mm-hmm. one of the questions that I really like to ask farmers that are either selling eggs or livestock is what kind of food what did your animal receive? Right. And so with the organic certified food, I know that those animals have not been fed any GMOs or genetically modified grains. And for me, you know, and everybody's different, but for me, that's a very important question to ask. And I noticed that you've got that down um, under your livestock questions. Right. Yeah, that is definitely a big question. And, uh, you know, it's it's an important one for me, too, just what you know, what is being used. The genetically modified part is a big deal. Um, sometimes, again, you know, there's like the RBTH, which is given to the animals, or the antibiotics, which is just, um, again, a constant thing as opposed to maybe as an animal needs it. Right. An animal needs the RBTH, but with the antibiotics. Right. And we should probably explain to the listeners um, that the RBGH is basically a genetically created, uh, an artificial hormone okay. that is injected into cows to help them produce more milk. Right. And um, we will never see that in an organic operate dairy operation. Organic farmers are not allowed to inject their cows with this artificial hormone. Right, which is such a nice thing to have that organic certification be, to be able to trust that that's what's going on. Right. So again, like I said, I feel like there's so many farmers out there that haven't become certified, but this is what they're doing. And I think that when you're able to have a conversation with a farmer face-to-face at a farmer's market, you know, that's when you can um, trust what it is that they're saying. I feel like you know, there's a comfort level when you're actually looking someone in the eye mm-hmm. <laughs> to see what it is that their answers are, and that's important, you know, to be able to ask those questions. I agree, and I think that developing relationships with the people who produce your food is a very meaningful relationship. And I, right. this might sound crazy, but I think the food tastes better when I've got a farmer's <laughs> face behind it. <laughs> well, I think it's so true. It's so fun to know where things are coming from and to see you know, the person out there bringing the food to you, um, it's an amazing connection. Well, I think, too, Dawn, one of the issues that we probably should, should touch on with regard to these questions is one of the things that I see at my farmer's market here in, in the Midwest, and maybe you see it, too, in New York, is um, this idea that, you know, naturally raised or a, a natural product, a big right. emphasis on the word natural. <laughs> and the difference between natural and organic is really light years apart. It's a True. big consumer uh, misunderstanding that, you know, just because basically anybody can stick 
a natural sign on just about anything. There's right. very there's no third party certification as there is with organic. Are you finding some confusion there too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just think our food is confusing (laughs) in general, you know, what it is that we're supposed to eat, what's going to keep us healthy. And then when people start adding labels, you know, you want to trust that whoever has taken the time to put this on their label, that they are doing it to help us. When in fact, so many times I feel like they're putting it on there because they've realized that it's important to the consumer. Right. You know, so they will add the word natural to, don't want to say fool us, but often it feels a little tricky because I don't know exactly what it is that they mean by that. Right. No, absolutely. And in case you're just joining us, I am talking to Dawn Bridget, and she is the marketing manager for Sustainable Table, a web-based organization to help us eat more sustainably. Dawn, um, let's also, I've I've got some additional questions here. Um, Why don't we move on to hogs? Okay. Um, here you've got a question, how was the hog raised? Again, this question of is the hog given access to pasture? Is the hog indoors? Um, unfortunately, many times the meat certainly that we get in the meat case at supermarkets is industrial pork. Right. But if we're going to the farmer's market and somebody's got pork chops or sausage and bacon, what kind of questions should we be asking? Um, again, I think it's the same. You know, a lot of these questions, which is nice because you can kind of go with the same thought in mind that, you know, where is this, you know, where is this pig raised? Is it free range? You know, does it have room to run around? What is it fed? Again, is a very important question. So, so it is kind of nice that we can go in, you know, with these same questions to ask to the farmer. We don't have to get too overwhelmed with too many things to remember. Well, I almost think we could go online to sustainabletable.org and we can print off the questions to ask and bring them with us. And every week, maybe, or every few days, we could ask another question. I like this question. I haven't thought about this. How much time do the animals spend outdoors each day? Right. So you're asking for a specific time frame. And that is so important because often in these regulations or, you know, it'll say, does this animal... You know, it's necessary for an animal to have access to pasture. Well, access could mean many things. You know, maybe it's a door, and if they find that door, <laughs> right. if they were smart enough to get over there, you know, they could go outside, but that doesn't mean that they even went outside. So, you know, are they spending five minutes outside, or is it an animal that's actually, you know, outside unless maybe the weather's too cold and then it needs to come inside during the winter, but for the most part it has, you know, been raised outside. Right. And again, I like to ask my farmer uh, questions about what the hogs are eating. Yeah. If the hog is eating GMO grain, which is Mm -hmm. basically the conventional corn and soy, or is the hog getting a non-GMO, which typically tends to be the organic feed. Exactly. And, you know, again, with the factory farms, it's more often it's going to be the genetically modified corn, the subsidized corn, the corn that's causing problems around our country right. um, that's being fed to these cattle and to the pigs. So I think it's very important to ask that question. Mm-hmm. And for consumers to know that even if the meat is labeled natural and even if it's at a farmer's market, that is not a guarantee that that animal is not eating a GMO. Right. Only the organic certified meat, only those animals are ones that have not been fed the GMO grain. Right, unless, again, like it's a small farm. I mean, I know that the um, 
you know, the feed's going to be cheaper. Um, if it's the genetic. If it's not, if it's not organic. Right. And if it is the genetically modified. But if you find a sustainable farmer, again, who hasn't had the, you know, organic certification, there's a chance that they are very concerned about what they're feeding their animals and it's not going to be genetically modified. But the only way we're going to find that out is by talking to this person. By you know, asking these questions. Yeah, by asking these questions. The other thing I was thinking is, at my farmer's market, I can the, the farms all have names, and sometimes you don't have time to ask these questions every time you go there. And a lot of these farms these days have websites. Yes. And, um, you know, I think that that could be helpful, too, especially if you go back to the same farmer's market all the time, to maybe find the name of the producer and take some time and do some research online before you go. That is a great idea. You're right. So many of them have that. And then you can even email that farmer. Right. So they can get back with you when they're not working so hard at the market. I always feel guilty. I feel bad too. And I feel like often, you know, it's just too busy. There is no way that I could get up there and ask these questions. Right. Um, You know, it's either you have to go at a slow moment and hope that you get the right person so that they can answer the question. Right. um, Or you know, make a guess. Or, at our farmer's market, sometimes they have a sign that tells their growing practices. Oh, yes. Um, I can't always find them, but yes. <laughs> sometimes they're there, and I think they're very helpful. I agree. Uh, we have a, a woman who sells lamb at our farmer's market, and she's had some wonderful posters in the past where she describes uh, what you know, what kind of feed, what kind of, you know, a day in the life, so to speak, of the animals before they make it to the freezer case. Right. That's wonderful. And I just, again, I feel like if someone is growing with sustainable practices or organic practices, that they are more willing to have this conversation with you. Right. And they're more, more willing to maybe put up a poster or a sign to tell us what they're practices are and I find that websites are often very helpful too um, they I looked at one the other day actually it, it was a goat dairy farm and you know they they said right you know one of the first things that they were not certified organic but that they were working on that process sure the farmers in transition and mm-hmm. they and they're in a, um, a tough situation because maybe they can't charge as much that you know they might be able to get more with an organic certification but they're going through the transition so exactly yeah they need our support and um i think it's a great idea to ask them you know where they are in that congratulate them when they get it (laughs) thank them for going through the extra steps you know i love the questions um you've got under beef too because um you know being a nutritionist i'm very interested in how the, how what the animal eats actually right. affects the end product. Oh, yeah, that's so important. And so under the beef, you ask, was the animal fed anything else besides grass? Right. Great question. Tell me a little bit about your experiences with grass-fed beef. Well, I guess one of the main things that I found out, actually it was probably on that road trip across the country, was that a lot of these animals are raised in a very sustainable way. You know, they have this access to the outside. You know, maybe it's 100% access to outside. But sometimes they're finished Mm -hmm. for the last month of their life on a grain diet, so on a corn diet, which is not their natural diet. Right. And in that last month, it it finishes the animal. It, you know, beefs them up. (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) And it, um, it adds, like, that marble like that fattiness that they don't get when they're pasture-raised. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people do that because it basically the taste that Americans have right now is for this factory-farmed beef. Yeah. You know, it's what people are used to. And so 
you know, knowing how the animal is finished. So, you know, was it 100% grass-fed or is it finished on something else is another good question to ask. Absolutely. Yeah, I, um, I'm a big fan of 100% grass-fed beef myself based on the reports that I've seen about the differences in the fatty acid and the end yeah. product. And I'll tell you, I, I really I love the way my grass-fed beef tastes. But you bring up a very important question, and that is the role of the consumer. And I was buying peaches the other day from a farmer who didn't spray. And I specifically told him, I said, you know, I would be happy to buy peaches that have a few spots and marks on them. I'm not looking for the perfect peach. I'm not looking for the perfect piece of produce because that often tells me, you know, if it's perfect... What have you done to it to make it like that? Your know, Mother Nature doesn't make her creatures all perfect and all looking alike. And um, the farmer was really appreciative of that. You know, he said, gosh, you know, we've got so much work to do with consumer education. Mm-hmm. And I know you're based on the East Coast, but something tells me that farmers um, have the same sense of the same intuition about what's going on. And they walk a fine line in trying to meet this ideal that the media has fed us versus what really happens in nature. It's absolutely true. You know, it is all about consumer education because it is, you know, we're the ones who are paying them, we're the ones who are keeping them going. And if we're willing to buy something that is a little um, blemished, you know, it gives them the opportunity to use less pesticides and less herbicides um, because that's, you know, that's like the natural growing process. I was at the farmer's market the other day, and they actually had, it was an organic farmer. And even with the organic farmer, he had a bin set aside that had, like, blemished produce in it. Mm -hmm. And he was selling it for cheaper. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I bought some of it, and I took it home. It lasted for a really long time. It was obviously very fresh. Mm -hmm. And um, the blemishes were not a problem. (laughs) Right. And... You know, but they're having to charge more money. I mean, the the cost of everything is really a big deal for them, and um, you know, and for consumers, obviously. Yeah. But if we understand what it is that we're getting, we might be willing, you know, to get get something that doesn't look so perfect. Right. You know, it's it's interesting too. There was a study. I think it came out of the Organic Center. Chuck Benbrook is the is the gentleman that runs that center, and he's a he's a scientist. He had actually been at USDA. But he looks at what happens in the fruit or vegetable itself, and when those pesticides aren't applied, that the fruit or vegetable actually makes more of these beneficial antioxidant compounds mm. to fight away the pests. So right. the, the plant, in, in its defense, its natural defense mechanisms, are it, it's actually more helpful for us. You know, I wanted to say uh, one of the things on your website that I loved is this um, the issues, and you've got pages of definitions. Yes. <laughs> Did you put that together or do you have a staff there that does this for you? You know, this has been put together over the years. Um, it's, so it's a, a group of people who've put this together. But you know, all those issues, when we originally started, we were based basically on helping to combat factory farms and that was our main focus. And over the years, we've realized that we wanted to focus on something more positive. So we brought in, you know, the work on what actually people can do and um, how we can spend our money and shop at farmers markets, but most of those issues pages came out of trying to understand what the issues were around industrial agriculture. So really trying to delve deep into them, um, but not in a technical way, so that you know the average person could go ahead and understand what the problems are. Well, uh, literally, this goes from additives 
all the way down to water pollution and workers. Yeah. So if you have questions about some of the different terms that you see in the grocery store or at the farmer's market, this is a great kind of primer on some of the terms. And I know that I've read your articles, uh, lots of different topics, uh, ranging again from animal welfare to feed, food safety, which is always a, a hot topic. Um, what is organic? What is pasture-raised? What is the precautionary principle? That's a really good term. <laughs> yes. <laughs> are, there, are there terms that, are, that you feel are most important for people to understand? You know, I think that anything that people want to learn about is going to, you know, wherever it is that your passion takes you, mm-hmm. what the most important subject is you personally, I think, is the best place to start. There's obviously so much information out there. You know, if you're a vegetarian, you're going to have different things that are important to you than if you're a meat eater. You know, I think understanding just what we've been talking about today, this whole local versus organic versus sustainable, you know, and what it is that is important to you so that you can make sure that you're asking the right questions and then spending your money where you think um, it's helpful. Absolutely. Well, Don, as I suspected, um, our little half-hour interview <laughs> seems like five minutes. It does. I want to thank you for your work at Sustainable Table. Thank you. So uh, much. It is so important for people to have a place. I call it a one-stop shop website. Thank. You. You. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. You can go here. You, you've also got some great links, I might add, to other other websites that provide important information to help us become um, more sustainable eaters. Uh, is there anything you'd like to end with? Gosh, I do think that um, you know anybody with any questions coming back to our website is a great place. You know, I feel like it's a good place to send people if you feel like they don't really know that much about the whole sustainable food movement. We have a good introduction. We have simple steps that each person can take to, you know, just make one little change to start, you know, moving in the direction of sustainable foods. So, and then if, obviously if you want to delve more deeply into it, all that information is there too. So I just think educate yourself, you know, make the best decisions that we can and don't get overwhelmed. I think this is great advice. And the website can be a, uh, a beginner's tool, like you say, if you want to take one step, if you want to ask one question, or if you want to take major legal action. <laughs> so, um, Dawn, again, thank you so much for being with me today. The website is www.sustainabletable.org. You have been listening to Food Sleuth Radio, which is produced at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Thank you, Dawn, and thanks to all our listeners for being with us. Thank you, Melinda. Look, Dave, I can see you're really upset about this. I honestly think you ought to sit down calmly, take a stress pill, and think things over. On KOPN, Columbia. KPN runs on volunteer energy and invites you to join in. The opportunities are vast and diverse, on air and off. Volunteering is about giving you opportunities, training, new interests, new friends, a widening experience while serving our community. Plan to come to an orientation or call 874-1139 and ask for the volunteer coordinator, Christine Gardner. This is Dr. Royda Kroos, psychologist, gerontologist with a prescription for longevity prepared by the editors of the newsletter Health After 50. 
follow a healthy diet. A diet rich in fruits and vegetables may cut in half the risk of colon cancer and reduce the risk of heart disease and diabetes. It also decreases problems like diverticulosis and constipation. Eat at least five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Switching to a low-fat diet can reduce total cholesterol and produce small but significant declines in blood pressure. Reduce fat to 30% or less of total calories and keep daily cholesterol intake under 300 milligrams. This is Dr. Reuter Kroos for KOPN with your Wellness Moment.